Hey, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Thankful for another opportunity to study God's Word. And today I'm going to make a special request for you to get your thinking cap on and get ready to look at a scripture in great detail. And I'll tell you, it's a couple of verses long, but the reward for the study is going to be really, really worth it. So please pay, please pay special attention as Brother Aubrey Ballard and I consider a scripture from Acts chapter 13. Let's jump right in. I'm back once again with Aubrey Ballard. Thank you for coming to the studio. Grateful for the time we have together. And I'm interested in a scripture in Acts chapter 13, verse 48. I'd like to read it, and then I'd like for you to intro our study, maybe with some explanation of some key words to it. But this is a difficult passage to some, uh, simply based on a phrase. And so as we consider this message called Disposed to Eternal Life from Acts chapter 13, verse 48, uh, Aubrey's going to have a good conversation with me to help me understand it a little bit better. So uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, the Bible says, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Another translation says, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So there's a phrase, appointed to eternal life, ordained to eternal life. Aubrey, what does this all mean? Well, thanks for having me back, John. It's a, a, always a privilege, and this is a really exciting passage to talk about. It is often misunderstood, but um, I find that there's two different approaches you can take whenever there's a difficult passage. Uh, on the one hand, you can avoid it, which is not a good idea, right? or you can really dig deep into it, and once you find what the uh, meaning is, there's always a blessing there, and this one is no exception. It's a very instructive passage that helps us reflect on our own attitude about the truth. Okay. And so to set it up, Paul and Barnabas were preaching in the city of Antioch, and uh, there was at least one group of people that heard this wonderful news of salvation to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And this passage describes their reaction. When they heard it, they realized that it was good news. It was the good news, right. the gospel. And so they were glad, they glorified the word of the Lord, and uh, they obeyed the gospel. Now, you already pointed out that it's often misunderstood, and the phrase you're referring to is, these people that were ordained to eternal life, or right. appointed to eternal life. And the passage is often misunderstood to teach that there were certain individuals in this audience that had been pre-selected before time by God for salvation, and hence those are the ones that obeyed the gospel. But the implication of that would be that the individuals who were not predestined by God were therefore reprobate, and they were doomed to be lost. Without having a choice in the matter. Right. Now, that idea is counter to everything else we read in the New Testament about God and His character and right. his, his plan of redemption. Um, but for those who know better, we still might struggle to understand what the passage does teach. And so that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. Okay, good. Well, maybe we should begin with just... a. Uh, the word, you know, ordained or appointed to. Give me an idea of what that's talking about. Well, 
your listeners have already found out that uh, I'm not an expert in language. They can tell just <laughs> by my accent in the English language. Texas. That's right. <laughs> but um, so it goes without saying that I'm no expert in the Greek language, and you don't have to be to understand the Bible. But we do have tools available to us that allow us to to look into the meaning of words and help us understand a passage in its context. And so there's one Greek word that is translated into those three English words, had been appointed, or right. in the King James, two words, were ordained. And if I'm pronouncing it right, the Greek word is tasso. And uh, that's a word that can be correctly translated in several different ways. Uh-huh. Um, you can look in a, a Greek uh, Bible dictionary, like Strong's or Vine's Expository Dictionary, and find out that it has multiple meanings. And I, I'll read some of them to you, John, but um, the point here is not to memorize these definitions. Right, just, right. just to illustrate the idea that there are several English words that could be chosen here okay. that would be correct, and it's the translator's job to choose the word that most accurately conveys the sense. Okay. And so that word can mean to arrange in an orderly manner. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes it means to assign or dispose. Uh, right. It can even mean addict or appoint, determine, ordain, the, the words that we normally right. um, read when it's translated. Um, so the question is, how do we know which one of those is correct? That's what I was thinking. Well, um, unfortunately... Uh, some translators will allow their own beliefs and presuppositions into their choice of words. And this is especially something that happens whenever an individual makes a translation. Right. Instead of a group of scholars working together. That's right. Okay. Um, and, and I've just got a couple of examples to illustrate what I'm talking about. Weymouth's New Testament uh, has all who were predestined to the life of the ages believed. Right. Now, that word is just not in the original, and yet he chose that word apparently because that is um, that represented his understanding about what the passage was teaching. Uh, the Bible in basic English says, those marked out by God for eternal life had faith. And so you can see how that when somebody reads that, they come away with the conclusion that um, these people had already been chosen by God for salvation, and so therefore they believed, and the ones that did not um, simply did not because they were not of the elect. Okay, so if I'm the man on the street and I'm hearing you uh, bring this up, and maybe I've read Acts chapter 13, I've heard what the dictionary has to say about it, and then I've heard your comments on these uh, specific translations, is there a bigger issue here? Is it just bickering over translational differences and preferences? And if it is bigger, can you help me understand what the problem is? Well, Jonathan, this is something that's much easier to see in other people than it is in ourselves. Okay. But we all have starting assumptions. Right. And we need to be reflective and make sure that our assumptions are, are biblical. But there are at least two assumptions that are not biblical that find their way into people's understanding of this verse. Right. One is the when. When was this uh, appointment or ordination done? Uh, some people assume that it was before time. Right. Uh, the other is by who? By whom was it done? And many assume that it was God, so that it was God before the foundation of the world picking these individuals 
to be saved. Do you think that assumption's made because there is a scripture that says that Jesus was ordained before the world began, and so maybe they'll try to make that connection. Hey, it says ordained there, it says ordained here. It's obviously talking about the same thing. Is that possible? That, that may be the case. One, one thing is certain. Uh, God did predestined or foreordained certain things to come to pass. Okay. Namely, that his son would come to redeem the world and that he would establish his church. And it's it's great to know that we serve a sovereign God and there was not going to be anything that could frustrate his purpose. Okay. He was going to do that. But that knowing that in Acts 13, uh, the same assumption can't be made. It's, it's kind of the way that we're going right now, that those those don't line up identical. Jesus being preordained before the foundation of the world, and these specific people, these Gentiles being preordained uh, as person A, B, and C, uh, we're going to look at them as a little bit different, correct? That's right. These people apparently understood that they had a choice. That's why they were glad when they heard the gospel. Oh, they knew okay. that they could respond to it. And, and one of the things we need to keep in mind, anybody who's a Bible student, we're not saying you have to be a New Testament scholar, but a Bible student should uh, have the practice of using clear passages to help us understand the ones that are more difficult. Okay. So this passage cannot mean anything that would contradict other clear teaching in the Bible. Uh, for example, John chapter 3 and verse 18 is a pretty clear passage. It says that he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already mm -hmm. because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So to uh, stand on the shoulders of other men from the past who have discussed this, there's a, a gospel preacher of over a century ago named T.W. Brents who, who said this about this verse. He said, it is difficult to see how a man who is ordained to eternal life can at the same time be a condemned unbeliever. Okay. And, and I like what he said. That That's right. A absurd as that may appear, he said it has to be true or Calvinism has to be false. Right. So to maybe help my mind wrap around it a little bit, we're saying that it is a contradiction to both be preordained to life, but also be already condemned if you haven't yet believed. It, it seems to be a very uh, blatant contradiction. There's also uh, an implication to the doctrine that we need to consider. Okay. If the idea of Calvinism is true, then all of a sudden belief cannot be a condition of justification because these people were supposedly ordained to eternal life before they ever believed in Christ. Right. Well, you see, the problem with that is that it contradicts perhaps the most well-established truth of the entire New Testament, and that is that salvation is conditioned upon belief in Jesus Christ. Many verses uh, teach this. It's the, the cornerstone of what we believe as Christians. John 3, 16, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish right. but have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark 16 and 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And then another passage in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16 and verse 31, when, when a man asked, what must I do to be saved? Uh, the preachers said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So any doctrine that contradicts this basic truth cannot be true. So Aubrey, when we look at Acts chapter 13, uh, I 
something that I'm taking from this conversation so far is that uh, context is going to be important, that uh, you could haggle about a specific word, but if you look at it in the context of the Scripture, then really one way is going to make sense and the other way is not going to make sense. Will you, will you take a moment maybe to break down the, the passage in the context around there? Sure. If we read a few verses before the one in question and the verses after, and then sometimes go a little bit farther out on, on both ends, then what we get is a complete picture or the context, as you said, of, of what's going on. And in this place, Paul and Barnabas are preaching in the city of Antioch. And as was their custom, they would go to the Jews first, the religiously minded people of the day. And uh, if the Jews accepted what they were saying, if they uh, could have another audience with them, they would continue to preach. But in this case, uh, it drew the attention of, of the Gentiles. And right. on this occasion, the whole city came out and wanted to listen to what they were saying. So you had a large group of Jews and a large group of Gentiles that were listening. And from about verse 45 down to verse 48, we see a contrast. And it lines up just perfectly. There are at least three things that he says about the Jews, and uh, the complete opposite is said about the Gentiles. Okay. For, for example, in verses 45 and 46, when you uh, hear what the response of the Jewish listeners was, it says they were filled with envy. Mm -hmm. that, it's amazing to me to think that, that these people could be hearing the gospel, that salvation is for all people, and they were envious instead of excited. Right. Now, in verse 48, it says that when the Gentiles heard it, they were glad. So, two different groups, right. you see them. The Jews were envious, the Gentiles were glad. Okay, I see so, the contrast. Yeah, that's how they felt when they... Uh, heard the gospel. Right. But there's another contrast that tells us um, what they said and what they did was different. Okay. As, as Paul and Barnabas were preaching, it says that the Jews contradicted, they blasphemed, they opposed, and they rejected. Okay. And that's something they're, you know, this is the choice that they've made. They're not, uh, they're not out of control in this moment. They're in control whenever they're blaspheming and opposing and rejecting, right? This is their active choice. Well, according to what Paul said a little bit later, he said, you reject it. Since you reject it, we turn to the Gentiles. Oh, okay. Uh, Calvinism would have you believe that God had rejected these people before time. But Paul said they had the opportunity to believe, but they rejected the gospel. Okay. And I don't know about you. I've, uh, I've preached in different kinds of places and, and some places people are more vocal than others. You might get a few amens at this one place. I've had people ask me questions after uh, the assembly or maybe even disagree, but I don't think I've ever had this happen, where in the middle of a sermon, <laughs> right. people are standing up and yelling, no, that's not true. I mean, they were angry right. uh, at what right. was being said. So on the other hand, the Gentiles heard this, and the Bible says they glorified the word of the Lord. Mm. So to them, this was the best news they had ever heard, and they were glorifying God. Right. So what we've seen so far is that the attitude of the Jews and Gentiles was completely opposite. Okay. Their response to the gospel was completely opposite. Right. And the next contrast we're going to see is their own attitudes about themselves. Oh, okay. Paul said about the Jews, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Wow. 
Now, I feel certain that if, if Paul had conducted a poll and said, everybody raise your hand if you want to be saved, <laughs> they would do the same thing that we would do in churches today. Everybody would raise their hand. Right. We, we want to be saved. At least in principle, we say that. But these people weren't willing to obey the truth in order to be saved. And so he said, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. And that's it, quite an indictment against those people. It's almost... Uh in line whenever the Jews said, let his blood be on us and on our children. You know, they're putting it upon themselves, the condemnation that comes from the gospel instead of the blessings that come from it. Well, what's the other side of that contrast? If the Jews judged on themselves that they were unworthy of everlasting life, what's the contrast with the Gentiles? Well, really the passage is saying about them in verse 48, as many as tassoed to eternal life believers. Oh, the is tasso to eternal okay. life. So the question is, what does that mean? Now, we have different choices. You remember that word has different um, right. possible translations? Several different definitions. So in many of our translations, it says something like, as many as had been appointed or as many as were ordained. But we need to look at some of the other possibilities and see which one completes the contrast the best. Right. There was another word, and that was disposed. Okay. So if the Jews judged themselves unworthy of eternal life, if they were indisposed to believing the truth, right. it seems reasonable that the Gentiles were disposed to eternal life. I like that. Uh, another word that can be used is determined. Uh-huh. Now, it wasn't predetermined by God, but these people were determined to seek the truth, and when they learned of it, to obey it unto eternal life. And so Tasso really... I believe, refers to their state of mind. Remember, that word can mean to arrange in order. Uh-huh. They had been brought out of a state of mental confusion by hearing the truth and into a determination to obtain eternal life by obeying the gospel. They had gotten their mind right, right. and their heart right, and they were ready to respond when they learned the truth. It's, there are times when the Gentiles uh, would be proselytes of the Jewish faith, but they could never be fully Jewish in the way that... Um, several Jews of that time would permit them to be. It's almost like they were indisposed to be 100% of the old law or of that faith. And when they hear this good news, they get the choice, and they can turn to one another and say, hey, this good, this is for us now just as much as it is for them. We're partners in it. And so their choice is, I choose to be a part of it instead of uh, rejecting it the way that the old Jews did. Um, I'm wondering, or before, before I wonder, I guess I should say, I want to put this chart on the website on this podcast. So for those who are interested in it, maybe there's some technicalities here that we've uh, used a lot of language and and jargon that that you'd like to actually look at yourself. Go to the website where this podcast is listed on pureandsimplebible.com backslash podcast. It'll be on the episode Disposed to Eternal Life. And you'll find this T-chart, a contrast between the two states of mind, the Jews in verse 44, Uh, 45 and 46, and the Gentiles in verse 48. So go there. And for you, Aubrey, the next question I have is, uh, do you have any other scriptures to help substantiate this context? Now, it speaks very powerfully in verse 45 through 48, but maybe there's other scriptures where tasso, that word is used, the idea of being disposed or determined to uh, something that will help me better appreciate what's going on in Acts 13. I think that's a, a very important question to ask. If we're going to make assertions about words and their meaning, can we see them being used that way in other passages? Ooh, we're going to have to leave it off right there. It's a cliffhanger once again. 
you got to come back next week if you want to hear about other scriptures that use the word tasso and hopefully we'll be able to better understand Acts chapter 13 and how this scripture applies in the context of the New Testament. So please come back next week and listen to the conclusion of this podcast, which hopefully will help us better apply this scripture to our life. In between now and then, you can go to the website, pureandsimplebible.com. You can look at old podcasts. There's videos online, study resources. Everything's yours to use and download absolutely free. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me.